tell you a love story, if I can. And uh, this is as it was told to me by a friend of mine this week. He told me the story about two people. They lived in two different parts of the country. And they didn't know each other. They didn't have anything in common. They didn't have any kind of mutual history except for one very random friend, if you were to trace the paths. And, and this friend lived in one part of the country, moved to the other part of the country, and interacted with this single lady. And in the process of being with this single lady, this mutual friend said to her, I think that, I wonder if you should meet this guy I know. And she said to her friend, she said, no, I'm not. I'm not interested. I, I'm not interested in dating right now. Now's not a really good time for me. I'm just not interested. She says, you really need to meet this guy. He's wonderful. I think you'll like him. I think you guys are a great match for each other. You, you, need to, you need to meet him. And she said, thanks for thinking of me. That's really nice, but I'm just not interested. He's wonderful. I'm not interested. You're really going to like him. He's not interested. She said, at least look at a picture. And she's like, all right, I'll look at a picture. And so she showed her friend, pulled out her phone, showed her friend a picture of this guy on the other side of the country. And she said, hmm. Maybe I'm interested. And what happened was they began kind of a relationship, mutual friend. They began to talk to each other for quite a while. Eventually, he flew from where he was to where she was. And they they met and they kind of struck up this relationship. Well, his job then took him literally to another country. And during that whole time that he was gone... They had conversation and communication and their relationship grew. And when he came back, actually about a year later, their relationship continued to grow. And eventually they, they went through the whole full-blown process. They fell in love. They got married. And that's the story that my friend told me about him and his wife. Isn't that a beautiful story? It's a beautiful... Some of you are like, yeah, whatever. But it is, right? It's a beautiful story. Here's the deal. Wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for that random mutual friend. Today, I want to be your random mutual friend. This message is designed in such a way to help you experience a love story. Because I think for some of you, your relationship with Jesus Christ maybe has become cold, maybe it's become stale, maybe it's just more like a a business relationship than a love relationship. And today I want to talk to you about the way that God wants to have a relationship with you and how you can, and this is the key of what we'll talk about today, I want to talk to you about how you can know Jesus more. We're in a series of messages that we're calling bodybuilding, and we, we launched this out of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in Philippians 3 in just a moment. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks to us about the church. He talks to us about who we are, and we've called this message bodybuilding, and here, here's why. Because through this series of messages, we want to be able to help the church to grow strong. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we are to be building up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church, and we are to be building the church up. That happens both corporately when we're together, when we interact as the church, it also happens personally as we grow in our own relationships with Jesus Christ. And so, especially these next two weeks, we're going to talk about what it means for us to grow personally to know Jesus more. Let's get some background on where we're headed here today from Ephesians chapter 4. Look at what Paul says about the church. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And there's a beautiful picture. And in a few weeks, we'll, we'll talk more about the roles that each one of us play in the church and how the work of the church actually happens and takes place. But he says that all this happens so that the body of Christ may be built up. How do we know if it's happening? Why is this important? Well, he tells us 
in verse 13. Look at verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, this verse tells us that there's some goals in this building up of the body. What are they? Well, there's three things that are very clear, and and we're going to work through these things. Verse 13, he says, until we all reach unity in the faith. And we talked about that last week. We talked about the value of unity, how important it is. That, that unity is that secret ingredient. What, what makes a difference between whether something struggles or whether it thrives is this idea of unity kind of as that special sauce. And so we talked about that last week. He goes on to say this in verse 13. The purpose is until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. That's where we'll land today. We're going to talk about this, that, that the purpose is that we get to know Jesus. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Here's the third thing that he says is the purpose, verse 13, that we build up the church until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we're going to hit that idea of spiritual maturity a little bit later in this series of messages. But today what I want to talk to you about is knowing Jesus. See, when Paul talks about that, he's not, he's not just talking about a head knowledge or that you, you kind of you know something. In fact, he's not even really talking there about the idea of our salvation. He's talking there about something more, that there's something personal that happens. He's talking there about a relationship. Now, for many of us, and especially depending on our church background, this is where we can get a little foggy in all of this. What is it really like for me to know Jesus? What is Paul talking about when he speaks about a knowledge of the Son of God? And so to, to help us, I want to talk about this for a few minutes this morning. And I want to start by talking about what he doesn't mean. What does it not mean to have a knowledge of Jesus? The first thing is this. Knowing Jesus is not being religious. Knowing Jesus is not being religious. Sometimes when we talk about knowing Jesus, we think of that as going to church. We think about it as the spiritual things that we do, the religious practices that we have. And sometimes we lock it all up in our denomination or our religion or those, those actions that we take. And what Scripture makes very clear is that knowing Jesus is not being religious. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Listen to what Paul says about himself. He's explaining himself there. He's talking about what it means to know Jesus. And he starts by saying this. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. If you're not familiar with Jewish customs, here's what Paul was saying At the beginning of the first century, he's saying this. He says, um, here's the deal. If there's a resume for spirituality, mine's at the very top. He says, if you want to know someone who is really, truly, strongly religious, that was me. He said, I had it down. I had it done the best. I was a religious person. And oftentimes we think, well, if I go to church, if I do religious things, if I talk religiously, if I act religiously, then I know Jesus. And the truth is, Paul's saying that's not the case at all. Knowing Jesus is not about being religious. It's very Different, And this is key for us to know. Christianity is more than just a recognition of the mind. So here's a, here's a good example of this. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, not a lot. There's two really good football games on today, right? You've got the two playoff games leading up to the Super Bowl today. And some of you have your teams picked. Some of you, your teams are already out. So you'll be with me sitting on the couch with Kleenex and how all that works out, right? 
But probably you know different facts about some of the different players. And, and sometimes I'll watch a game, I'll sit with somebody, and they got all these stats. My kids are kind of like this. They can sit, and I'm not this way. I don't remember stuff, but they sit there and they're like, that quarterback threw for this many yards in that game. And do you remember the time they did this and that? And that running back rushed for this much. And this guy had that many sacks three years ago. And it's all this kind of stuff. I'm like, how do you remember that? How do you know all these stats about these people, and then they go on and say things like, well, he went to this college, and he's married to this lady, and he has this many kids, and he likes this kind of ice cream, and you're like, what? How do you know all this? At that point, you're not a fan, you're a stalker, right? That's, you've crossed the line, that's just weird. Okay, you think about this, and this is common, there's an actor, there's an actress, there's a musician, a, a, some kind of entertainer, and you got their poster on your bedroom wall, like, and if you're an adult and you still have their poster on the bedroom wall, there's something wrong with that too, okay? You, you know all these things about people, and you've got random facts about their lives, but if they walked in the room, they wouldn't know you, you're just, you're not just a fan, <laughs> You're a stalker, right? It goes to that level. For some of you, you know all about Jesus. You can quote scripture. You've got experience. You've got your perfect attendance badge. You've got all that stuff. But you don't know him. You really don't know Jesus. You're religious, so you're just kind of his stalker. Does that make sense? Look, that's not what he's talking about here. It goes deeper than that. So knowing Jesus is not being religious. Here's a second thing that's key for us to know. Knowing Jesus is not following rules. Knowing Jesus is not following rules. Some religions, some branches of what we would even refer to at times as Christianity, have this idea that, that it's, it's what you do that matters. That if someday, when you're dead and you stand before God, he's going to take this scale and he's going to put up there, did you do more than you did bad did you do more good than you did evil did you did you accomplish something and did you follow the rules were you good at rule keeping and knowing jesus is not about that listen to what paul says again philippians chapter 3 verse 6 as for zeal persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law faultless you hear what paul's saying there he says when it comes down to doing the right things i did it he says i did it so well i was faultless. That's a pretty bold statement, right? Apparently, Paul did not struggle with humility. Did you notice that? He says, look, I was, I was faultless. When it came to keeping the rules, when it came to doing things right, when it came to good deeds, look, I'm the best, he said. I did it better than anybody else. But his point here is this, that's not what it means to follow Jesus. And oftentimes, we measure our worth as Christians. We measure our salvation by whether our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. And in the process, we don't know Jesus. We just make him kind of this cosmic police officer who's out on patrol to see whether or not we're breaking the law. And we don't have a relationship with him. We just kind of have this fearful interaction with him that one day we're going to have to give account to him. That is not what scripture says knowing Jesus is about. But for some of us, that's become our mindset. For some of us, that's how we were raised or we were taught. And that's not the idea of scripture. We know Jesus not based on our own good deeds or our own merit. Those things come to us. We know Christ because of what he did on the cross. That's why we celebrated communion today, right? Let me hit one other thing while we're here, too, about knowing Jesus. And Paul kind of points this out, that knowing Jesus is not an accomplishment. Sometimes I think we, we kind of put it on our eternal bucket list. It's kind of on our to-do list. And we think, well, I, I did that. I'm good, right? 
I took care of that. It's, it's set. I know Jesus, and so now I can check that one off. How, how do we say it? If, if I ask you about your relationship with Christ, you'll probably tell me when you became a Christian. Like you made some kind of decision. Like you did it. Like, like it was an accomplishment. Like you achieved something. See, salvation and our relationship with Christ is so much more than that. Yes, we make a decision to follow Jesus. And yes, we choose to take that name of Christian, of Christ follower on. But the truth is this. What the New Testament says over and over and over again. That when we follow Christ, there's a transformation that happens, right? He takes the old, he makes it new, he changes us. We come to him and we offer ourselves and then he does the work. That's what it means to know Jesus. So, so catch this, this is key. Knowing Jesus isn't being religious, it's not following the rules, it's not an accomplishment. Here's the bottom line truth. Knowing Jesus is a relationship. Knowing Jesus is a relationship. This is the language that Paul uses. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. It's very personal. It's very practical. It's very, it's very intimate in what he says there. His desire when he says no is not to know about or not to do the right things or not to be able to check it off that you did this, but to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ that's what it's all about. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Some of what we're going to talk about is very basic. In fact, for many of you, you're kind of going, oh, I know this. I've heard this over and over and over again before. But it's key for us to come back to these things. Because for some of us, if we know these things to be true and we practice them in our lives, then we're happy to talk about them because we know the difference they make. For others of us, we've heard it over and over again, but we're not doing it, so it's good for us to be reminded and for some of us, especially if our relationship with Jesus Christ is something new for us, these are very important things for us to talk about today because God wants you to know that his desire is to have a personal relationship with you, that you live a life that's based on his purpose and in his plan. And my concern is that for some of us, we've allowed that to grow stale and to grow cold, and it doesn't mean that much to us anymore because we serve a God who is completely about relationship. Think about this. When, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they ate the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to do, what was the big thing that God noticed? He noticed that they had lost relationship with him. He walks in the garden and what does he say? Where are you? We were hanging out. It was awesome. We used to take walks together. And now I've lost that relationship. The whole rest of this book is about God going to great lengths to restore that relationship. How does he talk about his relationship with Moses in Scripture? Moses knew God face to face. When you read through the Psalms, you see that David isn't just writing poetry. He's expressing something about his relationship. How did Isaiah encounter God? It says he saw the Lord. When you get to the New Testament and you read Paul's writings, you know that it's not just theology. There's relationship attached to it. When you read Peter's writings, you see that there was this experience that he had. I love the writings of the Apostle John, whether it be the Gospel or his letters or the book of Revelation. Here's why. Because he doesn't just write as someone who was there. He writes as someone who knew Jesus. Jesus was his friend. We serve a God who at his very heart is all about relationship. Here's what he says. I will be their God and they will be my people. This was at the, do you, do you remember Christmas? Do you remember Christmas a couple weeks ago? Do you remember that? We had it. Try to forget it, but do you remember it? What was it all about? It's all about that Jesus came to be Emmanuel, which means God with us, which means God who wants relationship. So the question is this then. 
If the truth is that Paul says that part of what the church should do, if the church is going to grow, that we come to a full knowledge of the Son of God, that we know Him, the question that plagues me then is this. How do I get to know Jesus more? How do I know Jesus more? What is it that I have to do? How am I going to know Him more today than I have in the past? And this is key for us as the church, because if we get to know each other, uh, if we get to know Jesus better individually, then together, each other, we will make the church stronger and be better in accomplishing God's purposes for us and for the church. So with that in mind, I want to talk to you today, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. How can I know Jesus more? If I want to grow in that relationship, how am I going to do it? I want to give you four things today. Very basic, probably things you haven't heard before, but I want you to consider them this morning. How can I get to know Jesus more? And then at the end of each one of these four things, I want to give you a question. And here's why. Because you're, when I ask you this question, the truth is you're probably either doing these things or you're not doing these things. And I want you to take some time and think about how you can do this. So if you're, if you're taking notes today on the little sheet that's in the bulletin, you might want to, when we get to these four questions, you might want to flip it over and write them on the back instead of with the notes so that you're able to be able to come back and follow up and go, how am I going to do this? If you've evolved past paper to technology kind of thing, if that's your deal, I'm still a paper note taker, but if you're like tablet or phone or something like that, then pull out your smartphone. Send yourself an email or start something. Put those questions in there so that you can come back and answer these questions this week and make a a commitment as to how you're going to start to know Jesus better and more this week. So I want to give you four things this morning. Let's jump in and talk about this. The first one is this. How do I know Jesus more? Number one, go out of your way. Number one, go out of your way. Remember, we're talking about a relationship here. And if you're in a relationship with someone, you will go out of your way to be with that person. You will go to great lengths to make sure that you can be around that person so that you can spend time with them. You will position yourself. You will change your schedule. You will make things happen so that you know that you can be with that person. You will go out of your way. Here's how Paul says it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says that if you love Christ, then there will be things that you will put aside in your life. There will be things that you will put out of the way. You can call it self-sacrifice. You can call it commitment. You can call it all kinds of things. But here's the truth. If you are going to get to know someone, you are going to have to go out of your way to do that. And Paul says, I have put everything else aside so that I can know Christ. Here's, uh, here's just maybe a, an analogy of this. So, some people wonder and have asked me the question why I do what I do. Most Sundays after service, if you watch, the first thing that I do is when I'm done, I scoot out that there's a fire exit over there. So that scary dark hole over there, and it is quite scary just to be honest. It, I, I, there's a fire exit, and so I scoot out that fire exit. Now if I go out that fire exit, it's cool. If you go out that fire exit, bells are going to sound and alarms are going to go off. So don't do it. Don't do it. That's not true. But just, just, you know, okay, so don't do it. Here's why I do this. Some people think like, well, he goes and has like a manicure and a massage before the next service. Like, that's what people think. I do that so I can get to the connection center. Here's the reason why. As, as pastor, I just love the opportunity to interact with people and hear the things that God is doing in people's lives. 
It's about every week I hear stories about how the ministries of Calvary are, are making an impact in people's lives. I get to meet folks who are new to the church. I get to have the opportunity to talk to people and hear stories. I, I heard everything this last service from the way God's using the television program to bless somebody to someone from the church who won tickets to the Super Bowl. Isn't that awesome? I'm jealous too. But that's the stuff I hear, right? That's what happens. And I love to do that. But I know that if I don't make it a priority to get there, can I just be real honest? I'm going to have to push you out of the way when we're done, right? So I scoot out the fire exit so that I can get there to do that. I go out of my way so that I can get to a place that means something to me so that I can, so I can make those connections. Now, now understand this. If, if something matters to you, you will go out of your way to make it happen, won't you? You will do something to be in that place if it matters to you. So listen to what Jesus did. You may have to go out of your way and make time to be with Jesus. You may have to go out of your way. You may have to change your plans. You may have to rearrange things. You may have to go out of your way and make time to be with Jesus. And there's always distractions, right? Sometimes the phone will ring. Sometimes people will interrupt you. I mean, things happen. But you have to be prepared and ready to go out of... So sorry. I'm so sorry. You have to go out of your way... It's my ADD. That's the problem. But you have to go out of your way and make time to be with Jesus. Listen to what Jesus did. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark 1, 35. Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He made time very early in the morning, went off somewhere where he could be with himself so that he could pray. Understand this. If you're going to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will have to go out of your way to do it. Saying yes to something better usually means saying no to something good. Isn't that true? It's not just about your relationship with Christ. It's it's true about just about everything in your life. If you're going to move forward and you're going to say yes to something better, if you're going to develop and, and progress in life, saying yes to something better usually means saying no to something good. Not that it's a bad thing, not that it's a dangerous thing, but you're going to have to make a choice at some point. So at some point, you're going to have to go out of your way if you're going to grow in your relationship with God. And you're going to say, I'm going to take time to be with Jesus. I don't know if it's first thing in the morning. Maybe like Jesus, you want to, you, you wanna, while it's still dark, get up very early and do that. For some of you, that's not going to work. You need to find another time. Here's just the deal. If you're like me, if you don't set a time, it won't happen. Because I'll get up in the morning and I'll be like, man, I'm I'm a busy guy, I gotta go. So, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read my Bible maybe, maybe later, over lunch. I'll read my Bible. And that doesn't happen because somebody, somebody interrupts you or something happens. You're like, well, I'll, I'll do it when I get home. But when I get home, I gotta pay the bills. So I'm gonna take care of that. So I'll, I'll do my Bible later. But I, this, the show's on that I wanna watch. So I'll, I'll do it. Because I, I I I'm busy. I need a minute. I'm gonna sit down here on the couch for a minute and I'll read my Bible before I go to bed. And then you go to bed and you're like, well, I can't read my Bible now. I'm too tired. Now, if I fall asleep on God, what's he gonna think? And so I'll do it in the morning, right? And you put it off. And if you you don't make a plan when you're going to spend time with the Lord, it's not going to happen. Question number one, here's what I want you to consider. Question number one, when am I going to be with Jesus? If you can't already answer that, if I said to you tomorrow, later this week, this schedule, when are you going to spend time with Jesus? Can you answer that? If not, I hope you'll take that question and consider it because if you're going to know Jesus more, you may have to go out of your way. Number two, second thing to consider this morning is that you eliminate distractions. Number two, that you eliminate distractions. What, what keeps you from being close 
sometimes. Well, the thing that keeps you from being close to someone else's relationship is that there's other distractions around you. I remember kind of the first time that I did anything kind of in a social sense with Rhonda. And I remember kind of how that played out. I was a, I think I was a junior in high school. She was a sophomore. She's much, much younger than I am. I was a, I was a junior. She was a sophomore. And, and her, her family moved to town, was going to our church. We met each other in the youth group, and the youth group was going bowling. And so we all went, we went bowling, and I was like, this is great, because I've seen this girl, and I've kind of talked to her, but I really want to kind of get to know her, and we're there, and we're all, you know, we're bowling and this kind of stuff. And at the end, she needed a ride back home. She didn't live that far from the bowling alley, and she's kind of like, I kind of need a ride home. Man, did I jump on that opportunity, right? I'm like, well, I'll, I'll give you a ride home. I can, I can, I can do that. I'll give you a ride home, because how else is she going to know how awesome I am, right? I got to find the time to do this. Because I wanted to get rid of all those other losers so I could spend some time with her. I needed to eliminate the distraction. Here's what's happened for many of us in our relationship with God. The reason we're not getting to know Jesus more is because there's all these distractions that we need to eliminate in our life. Let me give you three of them this morning. Just just quick, three things to think about. One is this, that sin is a distraction. Sin is a distraction that may need to be eliminated in your relationship with God. Now, very basic, but think about this. I don't know whether it's something that you keep coming back to. I don't know whether it's a sin that comes in, whether it's something that was unintentional, but oftentimes it's our deliberate sins that create that wedge between us and God. In fact, the truth is sin actually, Scripture says, makes us God's enemy. We're thankful because we have a God who gives us grace and mercy. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and he'll forgive our sins. But we forget sometimes because God is so merciful just how destructive sin can be. Isn't that true? And when there's sin in our lives, especially sin that we just, we just don't deal with, sin that we tolerate, it might be an attitude, it might be an offense that we like to keep holding on to, it might be a habit. It might be something in our thought life. It might be something that we do. I don't know what it is, but when we don't deal with that distraction of sin, it puts that wedge between us and God. This is why the psalmist says, Psalm 119.11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's what happens. When you sin, you're not just breaking a rule. You're hurting a friend. And as a result, you do damage to that relationship between you and Jesus. So sin becomes that distraction in our life. Let me give you a second distraction today. Not only is sin a distraction, here's a second one, but noise is a distraction. Noise can be a distraction. I had lunch with a friend not too long ago, and we were sitting in this restaurant, and my friend is just like really, really soft-spoken. So we're in this restaurant where they put us at one of those tables just for two people. So I'm on one side, he's at the other. And he's talking, but the restaurant was just like really noisy. There were people around, they're playing music. It's all that distraction that's happening. So he's really soft-spoken. So he's telling me something really important, but I can't hear him with all the stuff going on. So I'm leaning in and I'm leaning in further and further. Eventually, it's like my, my chest is in my food. My chin is in his burger, right? And I'm trying to listen to what he's saying. He wanted a cheeseburger, not a chin burger. It would have been a whole lot better if I could have found a way to eliminate the noise that was around because then I could have heard him. And so many times, there's all these other voices, there's all this stuff that when it comes time for us to get to know Jesus more, we might have to eliminate the noise. What's the noise come from? Sometimes it's just the media. It's music, it's television, it's movies, it's all these things. They're not bad. You You just need to make sure you find quiet times when you can eliminate the noise. It's not just media, but isn't it social media as well? 
I had a conversation with some friends this week about how easy it is that the very first thing that you do in the morning is to check in with Facebook. And you you put this on a church sign. Before you go to Facebook, you should go to the good book, right? You should do something like that. But you're going to hear that tomorrow morning. You're going to open your eyes and you're going to have the spirit of Chad all convicting you about whatever. But it's, it's so easy, isn't it? That I go right to social media. I go right to the news. Before I even stop and think about, God, what, what is your interaction for me for this day? And it's a critical thing for us to stop and think about. Sometimes the distraction, we just need to eliminate the noise. Now let me, let me just stop here for a moment too. Because some of you could relate to that video we showed at the beginning where that mom escaped from her house. Do you remember that part? She's like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> And we have schedules and we have people that look to us and whether you are someone who runs your own business or whether you're a mom with preschoolers at home or whatever that is, this this message isn't intended to bring guilt. It's just an encouragement of how critically important some of these things are because here's another distraction that comes. Busyness is a distraction. We get so busy. We get moving so fast that in those times, I fail to have time to spend time with Jesus. And this is kind of the other side of what we just talked about a minute ago about going out of your way. But listen to how key this is. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. People are coming. They are showing up. They are saying, Jesus, we want to hear you teach. We want to see you heal. He's kind of at the peak of success. Things are rocking and rolling. They are going so good. And what does he want to do? He wants to go hang out by himself. In fact, if you read on in the Gospels, you'll see that the disciples come. They're like, Jesus, we got to go. People need you. And he's like, you know what, fellas? I'd like to leave here and go somewhere else. But Jesus, you're busy. People have things they need you to do. You, You got urgent stuff to make happen. And he realizes how critically important it is for him to spend time with his father. Otherwise, he won't know what it is that God wants him to do. And I so quickly get busy and I get distracted. And the reason I'm busy is because I'm doing the Lord's work. And I'm like, Lord, I'd like to spend time with you. But I don't have time to spend time with you because I've got to take time to do things that you want me to do. And the Lord sometimes has to remind me, that's cool that you want to do what I want you to do. But you don't have a clue what I want from you because you don't spend any time with me. And how critical that is for us because busyness is a distraction. Let me challenge you with this. We must balance success with solitude. Jesus knew if he was going to maintain success in his life, then he had to have time alone. How does does, uh, Luke write it? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So question number two for you. What keeps me from knowing Jesus more? Is it sin? Is it noise? Is it busyness? Might not even be one of those three, but maybe the Holy Spirit kind of stirred something up inside of you as we were talking about this. Maybe this is a question that you really need to consider as you go into this next week. If you want to know Jesus more, are there distractions that you need to eliminate if you're going to grow in knowing him more? Let me give you the third thing this morning. Number three, if I want to know Jesus more, then get to know the person. Get to know the person. Every, every so often, I, I have these conversations. It happens. Uh, it happened after serve week. It's this inter- interesting thing that when people begin to get to know each other at church, they kind of interact, and it's, it's single people. Let me, let me phrase it this way. They'll come up to me, and they'll have this conversation. They'll be like, ah, oh, Pastor, uh, Pastor, can I ask you, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Um, pastor, you know, they're trying to be all cool. Oh, Pastor, there's just, oh, I just, uh, uh, and then they eventually get down to it. They're like, can you tell me about um, so-and-so? 
And they want to know about this person. What are they like? Do they go to church? What's their family like? What's their background? What they really mean is, should I go out with this person? Should I date this person? If you go to www.gilliganmingle.com, I can help you out with all of that. All right? I'll, I'll set you up. I'll help you with that. People come. They want, it, they want to know this. Why? Because they want to get to know the person. They want to know about them. What can I tell them about that person to find out, is this safe? Is this this kind of thing? That's how it works in a relationship. If you're going to grow in a relationship, you have to get to know the person. The way that you get to know God is through his word. Isn't that true? When you read his word, when you learn about him, when you find out what he says in his word about himself and about you, that's when you get to know him. This is why scripture says it this way. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Just for the record, I'm pretty simple. And I'm thankful for God's word. The unfolding of your words gives light. And that is a powerful thing. Psalm 119.18 gives to us a wonderful prayer. And we're a little later in this series. We're going to take some more time and dig into just the value of Scripture and applying it to our lives. But when you, when you sit down with God's Word, what if you made this your prayer? One, uh, Psalm 119.18 Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. What if you sat down with God's word, whether it's in a digital form or print form, there's just something powerful about having God's word open in your lap. And what if when you sat down instead of, because this is what I do sometimes. Sometimes I'm so busy, I sit down and I'm like, I just got to get through this really quick. I just got to read this because I got to move on to something else. So I'm going to check this off. What if instead when I sat down with God's word, I said, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Lord, speak to me through your word. I, I had the real privilege this week of um, two different occasions having lunch with, with two different individuals in our community who are members of the military. And it was fascinating that as I spoke with them, both of them, and, and separate from each other, these two different, totally different conversations, amazing how quickly they got to talking about the mission. They were talking about the mission, what was involved in their job, what was involved in in their base, what was involved in what they were called to do. And they quickly got to, this is our mission. It consumed them. It's a part of who they are and what they do. And what happens is when we spend time in God's word, it's like we're getting the mission from headquarters, right? You find out what God has in store for you. And each day he's able to speak to your heart through his word, through his spirit, and challenge you in what he has for you to do. And oftentimes we feel like we're aimless in life. And the truth is you're aimless without a mission. And you find out God's mission for your life when you spend time in his word. It's this powerful thing that we need to do. It helps us. It's not just a book of rules. It's, a, it's, it's, it's fuel in our engine, and you are aimless without a mission. So question number three, this is my challenge for you. What will I read in the Bible? This week, as you, as you spend time in God's Word, determine what will I read in the Bible. Here's my encouragement. I've got, a, I've got some friends that when they read their Bible, they do it Russian roulette style. Do you know how that is? Just kind of flip a page and open it and hope you land on something good. Here, let this bless you. The southern boundary of Gad will run south from Tamar. What? Doesn't mean anything. And then there's people who's like, this, this book's intimidating. I don't know. I'm, I'm good at math. I'll start in numbers. It's not how it works, right? It's probably, probably not a good strategy. Let me give you a couple of strategies. We, you, you see, like, when we, when we open the service, we put up a little thing. Our, our sermon notes are all on, on an app called just the Bible app. If you search, whether in the iTunes store or you go to the marketplace or wherever, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find that 
you'll find that app from lifechurch.tv. Not only are sermon notes there, it's great Bible translations, but they offer you different Bible reading plans. So whether you want to get some structure for what you're going to read for three days or for 365 days, you can find a plan that will help you on a daily basis to know this is what I'm going to read as I grow. For some of us, it's really cool. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. How many days are in most months? Do we have? <laughs> read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There's a lot of wisdom there, and I, I know you could use some wisdom. It's awesome to see how God's Word works. Maybe you're going to read a combination, maybe a little bit out of the Old Testament, maybe some of the New Testament. Maybe you, you feel like you need to study a certain area of God's Word. You want to know Jesus more, so you're going to read through the Gospel of John. I'm not sure what it is for you, but determine what is it that I'm going to read from God's Word to help me know Jesus more. Very quickly then, number four, let me give you one last thing. If you're going to know Jesus more, we talked about this two weeks ago. Have a conversation. Have a conversation. It's all about prayer. And spend time in that conversation with this friend who wants to have a relationship with you. Again, sometimes prayer becomes an obligation. And I open my Bible and I wish every verse was John uh, 11.35 that says Jesus wept. If, if every verse just had two words, I could just cruise right through, right? And then I just pray real quick because i got to get out the door. And I don't stop to have a conversation. See, oftentimes my prayers are just out of obligation. God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Now I can eat, Right? And we move that way. Many times, the only prayers I pray have an exclamation on the end of them. God, help me. God, do this. God, give me that. God, this is what I need. And prayer is to be a whole lot more than just an obligation or an exclamation. Prayer is not just an obligation or an exclamation. It is a conversation. It is a two-way street. It is you having a conversation with the one who made you, who loves you, who wants to have a relationship with you, and wants to speak to your heart. Again, two weeks ago, we, we talked about this quite a bit more in detail, but here's, here's the question I challenge you to ask this week. Question number four, what will I talk with Jesus about? What is it that you need to say to him? And what is it that he wants to speak to you? And as you spend time in his word, as you listen to his spirit, as you eliminate those distractions, he's able to speak to and work in our lives. So we've just got a few minutes left today, and, and here's, here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like us to take these things we've talked about and put them into practice today. Because you've already gone out of your way to be here, and so, uh, so we, we can do this, and we're going to eliminate distractions for a few moments. We're able to just, just be here and focus. So what do we know about Jesus? And I want to take a look at a couple of scriptures about who he is, and then we're going to take time to talk to him about that. We're going to pray about that. And hopefully this will apply to and speak to some different areas in our lives just as we wrap up in these next few moments. Let me start with this. John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us very clearly who Jesus is. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we read God's Word, we, we literally are hearing the voice of God, and that's who Jesus came to be. He is the Word of God. And the Word of God became man and took on flesh and dwelt among us, and Jesus' presence is right here today. And I don't want you to miss that. That His presence is with you and that He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you, even in the busyness of your work and of your family and of your home. He wants to know you, and you can know Jesus more. And so, Dustin, would you lead us in that same song that we just sang earlier this morning, here in your presence? And can we stop for just a moment and recognize the presence of Jesus Christ right here with us today? Here in your presence We are Sing this and remember. 
scripture John chapter 10 verse 14 Jesus is speaking about himself here this will help us to get to know him better and he says I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep that analogy might not mean a whole lot to many of us in Toledo and 2015, but what it means is that the shepherd comes and protects the sheep. The shepherd comes and provides for the sheep. The shepherd comes and guides and leads the sheep. There is this picture of care and concern and love and provision that's really powerful there. And that's who Jesus said he came to be. So it's possible that this morning as you sit here, you realize very clearly what you need from the Lord is for him to be your good shepherd. You need his provision, you need his guidance, you need his leading, you need his direction. And when you say, Jesus, I need to know you more. I need you to know, I need to know you in this way as my good shepherd. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. God, I need your leading. I need your provision. I need your guidance right now in my life. I need your direction. I need you to be my good shepherd right now. Yeah, it's just between you and God. Lord, I need that. Father, we come to you. Thank you for your word that says you are the one who leads us. Jesus, that you are the one who guides us and provides for us. And that you know your sheep. And that there's this relationship that you desire to have with us as you, you, you meet our needs and you come alongside of us. And Father, you know the needs behind every hand that was raised. God, you know the story behind every heart in this, in this room. And so, Father, would you be our good shepherd, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me take you to another scripture. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are. Jesus, scripture says, is our healer. So if you're here today and you need a physical touch in your body, I don't know if it's a cold that you can't shake or it's a diagnosis you didn't want to have. I don't don't know what it is, but you would say, Jesus, I need your healing today. Would you stand just right where you are? We want to pray with you today. Say, God, I need your healing touch. Jesus, if you are the healer, I need your healing in my body today. Stand right where you are. We're going to pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, and in our heart to know Jesus more, we are looking at who you are, and your word says that we can talk to you about healing. Lord, and I sense so clearly that you want us just to sense and know your presence here today. So, Father, you know the bodies that need healed. You know the the tissue that needs made new. God, you know the diseases that need to be removed. Father, you know the pain that you can bring life to. You know the strength that you can bring and the restoration that only you can restore. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, based on your word that says that you not only forgive all our sins, but you heal our diseases, that by your stripes we're healed. Lord, your, your word says that, Jesus, when you walk this earth, you went everywhere doing good and healing those who were sick. Would you bring healing to this room right now? We pray that you would bring restoration and strength. And, Father, that you would bring life today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite the rest of us all to stand, if we would. Let me give you one last picture from Scripture. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. He stresses for us how much we need to know him, to be connected to him, that our life and our strength and our hope are found in him. So as we close, I want to close with one last prayer. And if you're comfortable, if you'd say, Jesus, I want to know you more, would you just extend your hands to the Lord and and let's pray together. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word that reminds us that you are the vine and we are the branches. We find our life in attachment to you, that we find our strength in you, that we find hope in you. And Father, for some of us, our our relationship with you has grown cold or stale, or maybe it's something that we haven't even had. But today we, we express, we say, God, we need to know you. We need to live in you. We need you to be our source. And this week, we want to know Jesus more. Lord, help us to go out of our way and eliminate distractions to know you better And then in conversation with you, to grow in our love and in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Lord, that you'd send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.